morning, good morning, good morning. Again, it's good to see each one of you at the Avenue this morning. Everybody feeling good today? Something special in the air when we get to dedicate children and see these little blessings that God has given us, and we, we just give them back to Him. And if you haven't ever done that, consider and pray about it. And we believe that it's scriptural and it's an amazing opportunity that we have. Hey, a lot going on here, a lot going on here at the Avenue. Um, my name is Dave DeFrancesca. If I didn't get you meet, you meet you when you came through the doors this morning in the lobby, I'd love to meet you as you exit today. I know some of y'all have been coming and going, and we haven't had a chance to meet yet. And some of y'all we've met like 10 times because i got to remember your name 10 times. But it's a, it's a privilege to be here this morning and excited. God's doing a lot of amazing things. Next Sunday, we have the opportunity to go to two services here at the Avenue. And it's a big deal. It's a big day for us. 9 and 10.30. you got to figure out which one you're going to go to because right now service time is at 10. We're going to be at 9.30. Um, we're going to be at 9. See, I'm testing y'all. Everybody pass the test but me. I'll be here at 9.30. <laughs> 9 o'clock, 10.30. you got to choose. Which one are you going to be, the early bird, the late bird? Early bird gets to watch the Texans. Where's my Texan fans? Oh, man. It's going to be a lot of people at the late service. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, fair weather fans indeed. So 9, 10, 30, hey, there's, we're making room. We're making room because of what God is doing, the amazing things that are happening. I know a lot of times it's hard because the lobby gets full and the exit time is delayed, or you, you put your kids in the back and kids on the avenue, you check them in, you go to check them out, and there's only one hallway in and out, which we're okay with because of security reasons, and yet it's still a challenge because of checking and check out. So we're going to two services to make room so that there's more space and there's more people that can hear about God and the good things that he's doing in our lives too. Amen? We began a series last week called DNA, and in this series, we're really unpacking some of the culture setters that we have in place here at the Avenue. So if you're new here, or if you're curious, or if you're wondering about who we are and what we do, this is a fantastic series for you to be uh, kind of get into the groove here at the Avenue, or maybe you've been here for a minute and you're still trying to figure things out, I encourage you, don't miss one week of all six weeks of this series because as we go through it, we're unpacking. Last week, we opened up with Jesus over everything. The foundation, the very start, the beginning piece of all that we believe here at the Avenue is Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. That's where our name comes from, the Avenue, because we believe that he is the only way. There are a lot of thoughts. There's a lot of ideas. There's a lot of concepts. There's a lot of misdirection. There's a lot of things going on in the world that tell you you can get to God going different ways on different routes and different schemes. But we're here to tell you that the Bible tells us that Jesus is the only way. And that is our foundational piece. That is in our name. That is about who we are. That tells you that Jesus is over everything below that. Everything in this world comes in second place to him and him alone. If you really want to live that out, you can grab a t-shirt on your way out. They're in the back right there. They say, Jesus over everything. You like the way I did that? I don't even remember how I did that. I got skills. I didn't even practice that. We're in this series, and I love it because it's gonna, we're going to talk about worship. We're going to talk about uh, different things that we do. We're going to talk about our commitments that we have to being together, our commitments that we have to giving. 
our commitments that we have to each other. And in this series, I encourage you to be here and to be a part. If you miss a week, go back and watch it online. If you're watching online this morning, come on, put your hands together and welcome everybody watching online this morning, taking a moment to be with us here. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 6, I mean chapter 10, Hebrews chapter 10. And as you're turning there, I want to welcome some very special guests this morning. My father and mother-in-law, Tara's mom and dad are with us this morning. They're here. And as you know, in about, what, about six, eight weeks ago, we were really praying hard for Pastor Gary. Tara and I had the privilege of working with them for about six years in East Texas. And um, then we came over here and started this church. And so not only are they family, but we work together. We've lived together multiple times because that's what kids do. They move back in with parents when they don't know, you know. Any parents here know what I'm talking about, see? And so we've been there. We've done that. And uh, they've joined us this morning. And so they're here this weekend, and, and they're hanging out. So would you do me a favor? Would you put your hands and welcome them? Let them know how excited we are. We celebrate y'all. This church prayed a lot for you guys uh, as Pastor has gone through, and he's now getting much healthier and in a great place of recovery as well. I don't know that there is any two people that really have uh, believed in the avenue and Tara and I any more than my father-in-law and mother-in-law. They really have. They've believed in us. They've supported us. They've cared for us. They've taken care of us. They've lived generously towards us. They've encouraged us. And so we're always excited whenever they can visit with us as well. And from what I hear, he will be back to preaching next weekend at their church as well. And so uh, he is fired up and ready to go too. We're excited. Thank you all for being with us this morning. In Hebrews chapter 10, we're going to read a couple verses right here. It says this, And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. I did not know the word spur was in the Bible till I got to this verse. To love and good deeds, not giving up. Look at somebody say, don't give up. Meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. This morning, I want to talk about this week two, part number two of our DNA series on this thought, this subject, that community is our commitment. Community is our commitment. Let's pray. God, I thank you this morning for your love, your mercy, and your grace. God, be with us here today. Lord, I pray that you would be with Every person that is in this room, that is watching online, speak to us today. Open our ears and our eyes to hear from you and to see you in an amazing way. Move in our hearts. We thank you in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. amen. Come on, we need some energy this morning. I know it's a little bit cold, a little rainy outside. Yesterday was a good day to kind of be shut in, but we, we just got to wake up sometimes in God's presence. We got to wake up in church did anybody get to travel this week or go anywhere? It's Labor Day weekend. Some of y'all are like rolling your eyes. Like, I wasn't trying to go anywhere. I had a little business trip I had to take this week, and so I was in Memphis for a couple days, and I planned it just right. I was only going to be gone for the minimum amount of two nights, and I was coming home. And Friday, uh, Thursday, I was on my way to the airport, and I found out that I was delayed. And then I found out that my delayed flight was delayed. And then my delayed flight that was delayed was delayed. And then my delayed flight, there was five delays until they finally cancel. Like they finally give up. We give up delaying, you cancel. So the next day, Friday morning, I have to get 
put up in a hotel room Friday morning. I'm supposed to fly out. I'm delayed again. I'm delayed again. Eight delays later. And then they tell me, as I get to the airport, sir, you're probably going to miss your flight. To no fault of my own. And I said, I am not going to miss this flight. I am on this flight. So they put me on the flight. And I got to Dallas because I, I had a layover. I got to Dallas. I got, they almost delayed me there. I got home. All that to say, how many times have you been in a spot because I'm sitting on that plane, and after delay, after delay, after delay, cancellation, all these different things that are happening, you go through these moments, and you sit down. You don't feel like being an extroverted fool at all, do you? You just kind of like just all. Now, for anybody that's introverted already, airplanes are very much not your place, not your jam. You walk on there with your headphones on already. Even if you don't have music playing, you're faking it. You're walking on there like, because we know you're faking it because you hear the announcements and you're watching the people talk about the mask and everything. And if you could hear, you wouldn't hear what they're saying. But you don't want to talk to nobody. So you got these headphones on, you got your AirPods in, and you're even faking it, letting people know the international sign, don't talk to me, I got AirPods in. You don't want to be disturbed. Nobody have a conversation with me. Elevators are very similar to this. You know, you go to get on an elevator, you enter in, nobody's there, you're like, thank God I'm flying solo on the air elevator, nobody's in here. And as you're about to see the, the, the button, you're about to hit the button to close the doors, somebody's running towards you, and they're looking at you like, please, please wait. And this right arm, you're hoping they can't see it, and it's going to reach over and close the doors, and you're just looking at them like, oh, what, I don't know what button it is. Because you don't, you just want to be in there alone. Listen, I thought I was extroverted. I thought I could have a little bit of personality that was, you know, having conversation. Until our oldest son came along. You ain't never met nobody with a personality to just talk to the wall and the wall talk back. <laughs> to have a conversation with anybody about anything at any moment. And you're on an elevator with him, and you're going from the third floor to the second, and he already has their social security number. Like, he knows everything about them. He's asking ladies how old they are. I'm like, son, just stop. Elevators and airplanes, these places are supposed to be safe spaces where I just go on, I get to my destination, I exit, and we don't have any conversations, we don't have any talk, we don't have anything to do with each other. I want to be left alone. I want to enter, transition to where I need to be, and I want to exit. Hey, everybody, it's good to be here. Wave at your AirPods in. I'll see you later. How many people approach church this way? I enter in, hey, good to see everybody, I'm out. I'm entering in, good to see everybody, I'm out. And yet you're missing out on the greatest part of the local body of Christ, the church. You're missing out on the greatest thing that the church has to offer, the community side of life. That you're not doing life alone. That you are not by yourself. That you're not, you don't have to struggle. You don't have to be, you get a victory. Like sometimes we're all like, oh, you don't have to go through a struggle by yourself. And you don't. But what about a victory? Because the worst thing in the world is when you get a win and there's nobody patting you on the back. And you got to figure out how to get your own arm around there and be like, good job. You're looking in the mirror trying to cheer yourself up. Because you have no community to even celebrate your win. The church is the place that we can gather together. And I want to encourage you to stop walking into these spaces and stop walking into these things and going, oh, you know what? I wish I could go to small groups, but that would require me talking. 
that would require a commitment. Oh, I would really have to just write my name down, and then they're going to call me, and i got to answer the phone or return the text message. I want to encourage you to step out of that zone that you're in and move into this space, move into this lifestyle, move into this commitment that we are committed to community. In the very beginning, the church was established. On the, on, in Acts chapter 2, we see the church, the first church, the early church opening up and being established. And in this moment, we see Jesus go back to heaven. He's looking at the people that are on the side of the mountain, and he says, go up to the upper room and wait there for the promised gift. He levitates into the cloud. The angels say, the same way you see him go is the same way you'll see him return. He vanishes into the heavens, and they run off to the, back to Jerusalem into the upper room, and they're waiting there, and we see the Holy Spirit poured out, and we see what happens in the upper room, and they come out, they spill out, and as they do, they look around, and all of a sudden, they're speaking in different languages and different tongues, and there's people there that have been assembled together for the festival of Pentecost. And so you have Jews from all over the world that have gathered back in Jerusalem and they're hearing this in their own language. And they say, these men have to be drunk because it's nine o'clock in the morning. And yet nobody, we all know that nobody drinking at nine o'clock in the morning. So this is even just a little put off. They're not sure what it is. And so all of a sudden Peter steps up and Peter begins to preach this message. And he said, you guys, listen, this was prophesied by Joel, what is happening now. And as he's going through this message, he's talking to them, and we see the church born in that moment. And suddenly, in that moment, from that message, 3,000 people are saved, give their hearts to Jesus, and the church now is born. And this is the first church. This is Pentecost Sunday. This is when the church comes alive, and there's officially 3,000 and some members. And we pick it up in verse 30, 42 because we go, well, what did the church do after it was born? Because oftentimes we make this initial decision to say, Jesus, I give you my life. Save me. Thank you. I'll see you in heaven. And we put our AirPods in and we set cruise control. And yet that's not exactly what the first church did. And I think it's worth studying. Verse 42 says this, they devoted themselves. Say devoted. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. So they got a commitment. They're committed to the teaching and to fellowship. They said, we're going to hang out. It doesn't matter what day of the week it is, we're going to hang out. It doesn't matter what time of the day it is, we're going to hang out. We're committed and we're devoted. We're going to step into this thing called fellowship and we want to learn. We're hungry. And so somebody's got to teach us. Somebody's got to tell us. So they move into teaching and fellowship to breaking bread and to prayer. Take note, breaking bread. God is pro-gluten. Stop it with all this gluten-free stuff. They break bread. You see bread all over the Bible. God loves bread. Bread pudding, people. Come on. And prayer. The breaking of bread and prayer. If we're going to preach prayer, we got to preach bread. And they were devoted to these things. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. 
They sold their property, their possessions, to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together. They were devoted to meeting together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes, ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. I think it's important as we step into this space, as we make a declaration, we say our DNA in our Culture Setter series, we are committed to moving towards community and living in community with one another, to being devoted, to continually give of ourselves. Because salvation is not only a single moment of surrender, but it's a continuous moment. It's an initial, I'm going to surrender now and receive salvation for my sins, but I'm also going to move into the surrender that I am going to be committed to the church in other ways as well. Because we can be de devoted to a lot of things. Devoted to a lot of things. Come on, some of us are devoted to Netflix. I'm going to see that series. How many of you like me? Like if I'm in a series, I don't divert. I finish the series. I close it out, take it off my list, move on to the next series. I finish the series. I can't be watching 10 different series at one time. Those characters will be all over the place. My mind cannot contain all that information. Who killed who? Who did what? I get devoted to one series. We get devoted to a lot of things. I get devoted to fantasy football. I'm like, oh, y'all, don't sit down on me right now. I'm in three different leagues talking about devotion, talking about I'm devoted to something, talking about men running around in spandex on Sunday and I'm cheering them on. Come on, score a touchdown. We get devoted to all kind of stuff. And yet, where is your, de so devotion is not the problem. What we're devoted to is a challenge. What exactly we will be devoted to? We will be devoted to something. What are you devoted to? Where is your devotion lie? The Jewish people, they saw this, and they went from having this devotion to other things to having a devotion to God. And it played out through the apostles' teaching. It played out through fellowship. It played out through breaking bread together. It broke out into, into fellowship. The Greek word is koinia. It means partnership, community. They sat down and they taught together. Think about this practically. It was a corporate worship. It was a temple meeting. It was a Sunday meeting. But then they broke down into fellowship, which was community and small groups. It happened all week long. If your church experience only ends, starts and stops on Sunday morning, you are missing out on a lot. I used to believe in small groups so much that I would say, if you're only going to make one thing at the evidence, make a small group over a Sunday. But I can't say that anymore because I got convicted. I don't want to underemphasize what God does on Sunday morning, but I can't underemphasize what God does in small groups either. I hold them both in high value, and I encourage you to be a part of both. Be engaged in both. Be devoted to both. You have proven your devotion to other things. Have you proven your devotion to God? That on a weekend service that I can be devoted to gathering together for teaching, for corporate worship, but also to gathering throughout the week into little groups that huddle up and they break bread. We got a group going to play golf. What? Yes. We got a group going to work out and do fitness together on Saturday mornings. I should join that group. I'm not that devoted. I might be. 
We need to step out and go, wait a minute, wait a minute. So the disciples were devoted to this. See, it's easy, listen to me, it's much easier to live devoted to Christ than to Christ's body. We can be devoted to Christ, but can you be devoted to Christ's community? I want to take you this morning from the sidelines to the front lines, from just consuming to a place of participation. And I want you to think about this, what the church is supposed to look like. The church was filled with awe and wonder. Verse 43 said, many wonders and signs were performed by the apostles. The believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property, possessions, and they gave to everyone, anyone who was in need. Every day they continued to meet together, continued to meet together. They broke bread in their homes and together with glad and sincere hearts. Look at that. They didn't resent it. Glad and sincere hearts. They were happy to be there. They were joyful to be there. It was, ah, they anticipated being there. It wasn't like, ah, I can't do that. I think I got small group tonight, and I signed up, and that guy keeps calling me about it. No, no, that's a glad and sincere heart. No, no, I can't. I can't be there. I got small group. I get to go to small group. By the way, you should come too. You would love it. What do you do? I don't know. We're going to go work out. We're going to eat broccoli. No, we're going to break bread. God, throw gluten. Like the, the reality of that I get to do this and we see what church is supposed to look like. So write these down. If you're taking notes this morning, a couple thoughts on the commitment to the early church. Number, verse 44 said, all the believers were together and had everything in common. They're committed to unity. I say it this way. They're committed to getting along. Because it's about time the church just decided we're going to stop using friendly fire to take each other out. Well, you, you believe one way, and I believe this way, so I'm going to criticize the way you believe, and I'm going to uplift the way I believe, but we won't even know what's the truth until we get to heaven and we see the full, the, 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 like, like there's so much going on in the body that sometimes the devil just sits back and watches, I think, the church take out the church. And it's about time we get together in unity. I heard somebody say it this way, you can't spell community without unity. Like, you got to have this sense that I'm going to get along. I'm going to put all of my political opinions aside. I'm going to put along, aside all of my thoughts. I, you know what? I'm going to put aside my parental opinions too because the way you raise your kids and the way I raise my kids, but you know what? I'm going to put that to the side. I'm going to put aside all of my opinions, all the things that would hold us back, and I'm going to be committed to the one thing that we both have in common, the devotion to Christ and his body. And inside of that, I say, I, I'm going to be committed to unity. It's a unique idea. Verse 45, they sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Number two, committed to care for one another. They didn't look down on people. They didn't say, pull yourself up by your bootstrap, bro. <laughs> they sold what they had to support each other. They were there for one another. They were committed to caring about somebody else. You know, a hundred times in the Scripture it tells us it has a one another verse. Love one another, care for one another, encourage one another. Four times, and we're going to bring this back at the avenue, four times it says kiss one another. No, I'm just funny. <laughs> Some of y'all are like, I sat next to the wrong person. What's he talking about? See, not all scripture needs to be like applied. Not, not, you know. There's a hundred verses that the Bible tells us something, something, one another. Because God's into us being committed to caring for one another. 
Verse 46, every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They were committed to worship together. Fellowship within the church building. Within this, like we, we understand that the building, we, we, we got a racetrack. And we just pop up some pipe and drape to kind of make it a little bit more intimate. And we, did, we built this stage and let's do this. But, but this, the body is you and I. The church is us. And we're committed to getting together. And Sunday is the day that we do it to put God first and say it's the first day of the week. We're going to put you first. And the opportunity we have to do two services is just make more room. And now, now I'm committed to Christ's body because now I get, to, I get to be in a service and, and worship him but, and sit in. But I also get to serve one service in this moment. So you're like, I've been waiting a long time. Pastor, where do you need me? We need you somewhere to be involved, to be a part, and you can be committed and take your devotion to another level to worship together. Number four, they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. They fellowshiped. They were committed to hanging out. They fellowshiped outside the church. Hey, meet somebody. You're checking your kids in, back of the kids on the app. Hey, you got kids. I got kids. Your kids, they all play together in church. You know what? Let's get our kids together for a play date oh, wait a minute, and we can be friends outside of church. We can be committed to hanging out outside of this space. And our kids, and we can do life together. You single? Get a number. <laughs> Don't be weird. Don't be strange. But no, it's okay. I've just, hey, you know what? I just, I've been looking at you. I mean, I'm, I've, I've been thinking about your church, <laughs> praying for you. And I, I opened up the book of Numbers, and I saw yours wasn't in here. Can I have it? I got married. Some, you know, worked for me. Verse 47. I was 29. It took a while. Praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. They were committed to celebrate. Why do we cheer so much? We love celebrating people. I love celebrating your victory. A part of the DNA of this church is celebration. If you're just going to have church and you got to endure it, you got a small group and you got to go to it. You have something happen and you just have to. It's going to suck the life and the energy out of it. That's why I said in the beginning, like, get happy, get excited. We get to do this. There is joy in the presence of the Lord. We celebrate. Three little babies got dedicated back to God. We celebrate that together. We stand up. We clap our hands. We cheer. We see somebody give their life back to God. We celebrate. We see anybody do anything of significance. We celebrate. We have this thing called a huddle in the morning. And if you serve on the dream team before church at 930, you're welcome to come anytime. And we do a little devotion. And we, do a, and we go around the circle and say, anybody got anything good to share? Always, every week, people are like, oh, this week, so-and-so got a new job. Yay! Hey, so-and-so, this happened to them. Yes! Hey, by the way, we want to celebrate this in their life. And it's always like, like across the room, like diagonal celebrations because it's built into the DNA of this church that we're going to celebrate each other. Because life's not boring. We weren't called to endure church. We were built to enjoy it and to bring the joy into the room. I love when people walk into a room and they just light it up. Because if it's down, if it's out, if it's tired, if it's uh, if it's heavy, he said, I'll give you a joy that is your strength. 
You imagine having something inside of you that strengthens you, and you need to draw down into that well, and it's the joy, and you go, wait a minute, God, I have a joy. I'm, I, I have a joy that I can celebrate these events, these occasions, and these things that happened. I went to a baseball game last Sunday, and I noticed something. The Astros are really good. Really good. Best record in the American League. I also noticed that the stadium was only two-thirds of the way full. And about four or five years ago, when they were just getting good, well, they won a World Series in 17, so about six or seven years ago when they are getting good, they were selling out a lot more often. But something happens when you get good and you stay good that you kind of get used to it. And all of a sudden, you know, we're going to be in the playoffs. We don't mention that. Let's just wait till we get to the playoffs. We'll buy tickets then. And you lose the joy in the journey. And I want to encourage you, don't just wait till we get to heaven and be like, whew, I'm free, I'm saved, I made it. Enjoy the joy that is in the journey while on earth, that we can celebrate, that we can rejoice, that we can find wins, that we know we're committed to enjoying this life together. Yes. Number six, committed to grow the church community. We're not us four no more. We're going to add a service and make room. We're just committed to it. And the devotion, listen, if it was just me committed on my own, me and Tara, this thing would have crashed and burned before week one even started, January 28, 2018. But at week one, we had 35 people committed that said, we're in. We're in. What can we do? And we began serving. And in four and a half years, we have seen people move this church forward and see God do amazing things at the pace that we set based upon our devotion not only to him, but to this community. And it takes a commitment to his community to help move this forward. And when we do, all of a sudden, God adds to the church. You add value to people's lives, God adds value to the church. You add value to people's lives. You're important. You mean something. You can do it. You can make it. I believe in you. And you don't just do it verbally. You do it with action, too. You put some works behind it, and you begin setting out a chair and say, I believe in you so much, there's a chair for you to sit in. I believe in you so much, there's, a, there's somebody that's going to speak, and I'm going to turn on the microphone so that you can hear them. I believe in you so much, we're going to have a team that's going to come up here and use their instruments and play and sing. Lori has been playing keyboards since day one. She believes in you. And she had values, she adds value to your life. I am not on my own. It is not us four no more. We have built a team that needs to build bigger and we need to build wider so that the net is greater. Because we still have work to do. Because there's still much to be done. Because as the day is approaching, the scripture said, until then we serve one another. God's strategy for the world is the local church. And if it wasn't, then all the way back at the beginning, Jesus and Adam would have been enough. Adam walked with God every day, walking through the garden. Did you name that snake today? I did. Did you name that thing with four legs? I did. Walking through the garden, 
Look at these flowers hanging out. How you doing? And God said, I need to make one for him to be his helper. So God added value to Adam's life by making Eve and come alongside because God was not happy with just us two and no more. So God added one in Eve, and then he said to them, be fruitful and multiply. And from there, we see the world unfold in population. And if that is the way that God formed mankind, we should also use that as a template to say, we're going to build our church that we will not have a mindset that says, well, we're happy right here. All the seats are full. You know what? This seat may be empty, but you know, so-and-so normally sits there and not here, so we're going to hold it for them because they'll be back next weekend. Nobody can sit. No. I like it when people get up. I normally sit there. Who's in my seat? I don't know. You got here late. Find a new one. I've changed my seat in this church three or four times. And I'm the pastor. Because somebody sits in it. Good. I'm glad. I don't even need one. I spend half my time standing up. Like, I am committed to you, and I want you to have a devotion to Christ's community. And here's why. As I'm, we're closing. And here's why. Because I got kids. And every time I tell my kids something, I get a why. And I say, we're going to have dinner tonight as a family. Why? Because we are. There's a why behind everything. Number one. Why do I need a part, be a part of the community of Christ? Why do I need to be a part of the local church? Why do I need to have a commitment to community? Because commitment lasts longer in community. Your commitment will last longer. How many of y'all try to diet before? And you go solo, by yourself, counting carbs, keto, whatever you're doing, whatever it is. No, you fail like me, crash and burn. And I love to not tell anybody. Tara gets on me all the time. I won't tell a soul I'm dieting. Because if I do, they might ask me how I'm doing. <laughs> My strategy for unsuccessful dieting is don't tell anybody I'm doing it. Because <laughs> I don't want to be accountable. Because I don't want you to check on me. Because I know what will happen. I'll go to eat that piece of cake. And I know you're going to call me at just the right moment. At just the right time, God's going to encourage your heart to place a phone call to me. We are in this space where our commitment to each other will last much longer in community. And here's why. A couple of reasons. One, get around people who will remind you of what you're committed to, who will reprove you in a loving way, not mean. They'll pick you up and they'll redirect you and point you back and encourage you. They remind you, they reprove you, they redirect you. Dave, you're on a diet. You don't need that. Get back on the path. You want to get down to this goal. This is the place. This is your healthiest life. This is your best life. You can do it, but I can't do it by myself. I'm a, I failed. I just failed doing it by myself. My community makes my commitment last much longer. Listen to this verse in Psalm 92. The righteous, and if anybody misses this verse, this should be like, possibly your life verse. And the older I get, the more it means to me. The righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They'll grow like a cedar of Lebanon. Now he uses these metaphors. 
planted in the house of the Lord, they will flourish in the courts of our God. Man, I want my life to flourish. Man, I want my life to flourish. How does it happen? It's got to be planted in the house of God. And then I get a promise. I will bear fruit in my old age. I must stay fresh and green. Come on. I'm going to stay fresh and green. I'm going to look at Tara when I say that. I'm going to stay fresh with my life and green. I'm planted in the house of God, and I will flourish. Why? Because when I'm with you together, we're so much better. The church must grow larger because people matter, but must have small groups because you matter. Come on now. Start living where the church is not something you do, but it's who you are. There's two ways you can do that. Get on a team, get in a small group. Get on a team, get in a small group. We go through seasons where we really try to care for people. Really try to take, try to take care of people. But it's really hard. If you're disconnected, if you're a disconnected member, it's hard to know what's happening in your life and what is going on. Get on a team, get in a group. This morning, we had something tragic happen here in the church, and two of our members were in a car accident on the way to church. We don't know a lot about it yet. Somebody's already to go, gone to be with them at the hospital. Cody and Mandy, we love you, and we're praying for you. And I know Cody's heart. He's like, at some point, going to come back and watch your service again. But how do we even know that it happened as the police and EMS were arriving at the scene? Because he's connected He's a part, and he texts Jessica and said, I've been in a bad wreck. And then Taylor reaches out because he, we, we got all these connections in the people's lives. But people, when things happen to them, and they're not on a team, and they're not in a group, it's really hard. It might be two weeks later, and they're like, Pastor, this happened. I'm like, I'm so sorry. I did not know. It is hard for us to stay up with everybody. If you're on a team, if you're in a group, if you're planted in the house, and the preferred method is both, but the place to start is one or the other. Get on a team. Dream team. Start serving. Get in a group. Small groups are out. Throw that thing up. Small groups are happening. You can scan this QR code on your way out. They have gone live. They're active. You can scan it with your phone right now. Take a picture of it. Go on the website. Get in a small group. Get connected and get planted in the house of God. Because our commitment lasts longer in community. Number two. Because we're stronger together. Stronger together. The sequoia tree has a lot of unique facts. It can grow up to 400 feet tall. The base can be 18 feet wide. Its branches might be 8 feet in diameter. The bark itself can be up to 3 feet thick. They can live 3,000 years. Hello, somebody. That's older. That's back before Jesus was born. The sequoia tree was hanging out and chilling before the first Christmas. That's how old these trees can be. They're the largest trees in the world. And how do they last? They have a root system that goes down into the core of the earth, into the center, and they grab them. No. Their root system is only about six feet deep. It'll blow your mind. These trees that go up so tall, and yet their root system is only around six feet deep. But what do they do? They must have other sequoias in the area. And when they are all gathered together, their roots actually go out laterally. 
And if you Google a picture of sequoia tree roots, they run out this way and they latch onto each other and it's like finger locks. They hold on and they intertwine over each other so that as the winds blow and as the storm comes and as life happens, they don't topple over because they have each other. Look at the size of this tree. That is a baby sequoia and that thing alone would be massive in my front yard. Front yard. And yet this thing with a six-foot root system or so. Just say it's 12 feet. How deep is your root system? How can they survive when it's so shallow? Because it doesn't survive because it's strong. It survives because the community is strong. So focus on your personal strength and on your community strength. First Peter says this, and he's like, well, Pastor, but I don't have anybody. Yes, you do, and yes, you can. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people. If you don't have a people, we'll be your people. If you don't have somebody, we'll be your somebody. And you can put your roots down, and they can spread out, and we'll finger lock, but you know, Pastor, you don't know me. I don't know you, and you don't know me, and it takes a lot of trust but I know this, when life comes and things happen, you got to have somebody that you're holding on to to be able to withstand. Because if you're isolated and you're alone, you will fall over. Number three, write this down. We can do something alone or lots together. We can do something alone or a whole lot together. This Belgian horse, throw that picture up there. Check this guy out. Look at the muscles on that thing. That's the Josh Ave of Belgian horses. <laughs> alone, he can pull 8,000 pounds. With somebody else, he can pull. With another Belgian horse, you say, well, that would be 16. No, no. With another Belgian horse, he can pull 24,000 pounds. No, no. One is 8,000, but two is 24. And if you take them and you actually have them live, and they've been familyed, I think I made that word up, familyed together. They've known each other their whole lives and been raised together. They can pull up to 50,000 pounds. That's how we're stronger together. That's how we can do more together. Romans 4, Romans 12, for just as each one of us, just as each of us has one body with many members, these members do not have all the same function. So in Christ we, though many, though there's a lot of people, form one body and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to us, but we have one body with many members. You have unique gifts that no one else has. You can do what you can do, and I can do what I can do. And together, we're stronger. Write these three thoughts down. Every member is a minister. Do not look to me as the pastor. Well, pastor, you're the minister. No, no, you're a minister. 
my greatest calling and job is to equip you for ministry, is to release you to ministry, is to empower you to ministry. Not to do the ministry, but to empower you to do ministry. I think we'll be surprised when we get to heaven and we see all the people up there and like, wow, look at the house they got. And we didn't know. They were doing all kind of ministry, visiting people in the hospital, setting out chairs, putting out flags, taking care of kids in the back. And we got a couple today, for the very first time, they're teaching your children about Jesus and the kids on the app. We celebrated them. We clapped our hands. Why? Because we realized that we can do this because they're willing to do that. And together we're stronger. Number two, every task is important. You have a gift to serve, serve. You have a gift to give, give. You have a gift to prophesy, prophesy. You have a gift to encourage, encourage. You have a gift to pray, pray. Every task is important. And nothing is more important than another. And the third one is this. Everybody's a ten at something. You're really good at one thing. Maybe two. But everybody has one thing they're really good at. Find it. Figure it out. Philippians 2 says this. Then make my joy complete by being like-minded and having the same love, being in one spirit and of one mind. Would you stand with me? Let me ask you this question. How are you doing in your devotion to Christ and in your devotion to Christ's community? Your devotion to Christ, how are you doing? Are you living faithfully to him? Have you surrendered all to Christ? Are you saying, Jesus, you are my Lord and my Savior? And how are you doing in your devotion to Christ's community? By saying, God, I'm all in. I surrender my will. Jesus is over everything. I will serve. I will give. I am available. I will love one another. I'll encourage one another. I'll serve one another. I will be devoted to your body. How are you doing in your commitment? The first yes is a yes to Christ. The second yes is a yes to his community. How can we do this? How can we go to two services? How can we have small group season again? This new semester. How can we do all these different things? Because you say yes. Because so many people have answered with a yes. God says, hey, I want you to lead a group. Yes. God, I need you to take care, I need you to take care of kids. Yes. I need you to set up some chairs. Yes. I need you to play some instruments. Yes. We lead with a yes. We figure out the details later. I'm telling you, when you answer God, call on your life. You can't get ahead of his plan and try to get logic. If I had been sitting in Baltimore and he said, hey, I need you to go, and I need you to go somewhere and do something, and he told me that the end of the story was a plan of church in Houston, my logical mind would have been like, well, how's that going to happen? I need all the details. No, he took me step one, step two, step three, step four, step five, and I find myself here today. How? Because I said yes. And I didn't have a whole lot to go on other than I knew I was committed and devoted to Christ and his body. And I found people of like mind. I got married because I said yes. And together we serve with a yes. And we lead with this yes. 
and we found other people like-minded together and we do life together and the invitation is there to get it today to invite you to be a part looking for a people want to belong looking for a community to care about you to celebrate you to love you to rejoice with you to care for you you're invited God, I thank you today for your love, for your mercy, and your grace. God, I thank you today for the power of the body of Christ. You are the head, and we are the body. Lord, we serve you. We give our lives to, in service to you. But God, there's always room for more. And we invite anybody that wants to be a part of that into a small group into serving into any area Lord we welcome each person that you bring along our way God as you speak to hearts and minds right now God as you have a conversation Holy Spirit in the way that only you can come on ask the Holy Spirit what is he saying to you what are you saying to you what is he saying to you how is he talking to you about your devotion to Christ and your devotion to Christ's body? God, we thank you for the amazing privilege we have to worship you. There's no hurry because this is your decision. This is your choice. This is the moment you came this morning. It's the moment we prepared. It's the moment we got ready. Just to ask you two questions. What does your devotion to Christ look like? Do you may, need to make a decision today to step into a relationship with him? Say, Jesus, I want to make you Lord of my life. It's a simple yet significant decision. And across this room, people watching online, you can do that. You say, Jesus, I need to be more committed to your body. I need to be more devoted to your people. Whatever your commitment is, I'm going to ask you to pray this prayer. We're going to pray it together as a family. And at the end of that prayer, we're going to celebrate together. Because we celebrate each other. Say this. Say, Jesus, thank you for giving me new life. For taking away my sin and making me new. Today, I am devoted to you. And Jesus, today I am devoted to your community and to your body 
and to serving one another. Give me the strength and the grace to touch somebody's life in a way that only you can. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. Come on, put your hands together and celebrate. Come on, make noise because somebody made a decision to do something amazing today with their lives.